This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. Younger NFL fans can't imagine how many great running backs played in the 1970s. Some teams had two, even three, outstanding runners on the same team. Whatever happened to the running game? Call me old-fashioned, but I miss the days when offenses would pound away at defenses with a solid running game. I suppose some people see that as boring. They call it three yards in a cloud of dust. But in my opinion, today's game is boring. Pass after pass after pass, penalty after penalty after penalty. How I miss 1970s football. It was the decade of the running back. And there were many great running back combinations, too. Consider these combos. The Cowboys had Walt Garrison, 1969 Rookie of the Year Calvin Hill, and 1970 Rookie of the Year Dwayne Thomas. In Super Bowl VI, those three ran for a combined 252 yards on 48 attempts. Quarterback Roger Staubach threw just 19 times. The Packers had 1971 Rookie of the Year John Brockington and MacArthur Lane. In 1972, those two ran for a combined 1,848 yards. The Cardinals had speedy Terry Metcalf along with bruising fullback Jim Otis. In 1975, they ran for a combined 1,892 yards. The Rams had Lawrence McCutcheon alongside another bruising fullback, Jim Burleson. Together, they combined for 1,951 yards in 1973. The Steelers had Hall of Famer Franco Harris and Vietnam veteran Rocky Blyer. In Super Bowl IX against the Vikings, the famed Purple People Eaters, Harris ran for 158 yards on 34 carries, and Terry Bradshaw threw only 14 passes. The following season, Harris and Blyer combined for a staggering 2,164 yards. The Dolphins had possibly the best combination of running backs ever. Hall of Famer Larry Zonka, speedy Eugene Mercury Morris, and reliable Jim Kick. In 1972, the Dolphins became the first and only undefeated team in NFL history. They also were the first team to have two running backs gain at least 1,000 yards in the same season. Zonka had 1,117 yards, and Morris had an even 1,000 yards. Ed kicks 521 yards, and the trio had a combined 2,638 yards. The running game was so dominant that quarterback Bob Greasy threw only 18 passes combined in two Super Bowl victories. Compare that to today's game. In 2015, 
quarterbacks threw an average of 36 times per game. But the sad reality, too, is that many great random backs of the 1970s had their careers cut short by injuries, especially knee injuries. There was no arthroscopic surgery in those days, and rehab and physical therapy were nowhere near what they are today. Let's take a look back at some of those great running backs. Runners who might have gone onto Hall of Fame careers if it were not for injuries that shortened their careers. This list is in no particular order. We'll start with Ron Johnson, who played from 1969 to 1975. He started his career with the Cleveland Browns, but had a lackluster rookie season playing in the same backfield as Hall of Famer Leroy Kelly. In 1970, he was traded to the Giants and became the first player in Giants history to gain over 1,000 yards in a season. In 1971, he injured his thigh playing basketball in the offseason. The injury required surgery and he missed the first six games of the season. He suffered ligament damage in his knee early in the season and missed the rest of the year. But he came back strong in 1972 to go over the 1,000-yard mark again. He had another fine season in 1973, gaining 902 yards. But injuries were taking their toll. He had disappointing seasons in 1974 and 1975 and retired before the 1976 season. From 1964 to 1980, the Giants had only two winning seasons, 1970 and 1972. It's no coincidence that Ron Johnson gained over 1,000 yards in each of those seasons. Next, we'll discuss Larry Brown, who played from 1969 to 1976. He started his career with the Redskins under coach Vince Lombardi and gained 888 yards, which set the all-time team record. The following season, he was the first Redskins player to gain over 1,000 yards in a season. He gained over 900 yards in 1971 and went over the 1,000-yard mark again in 1972. He was named the 1972 NFL MVP and led the Redskins to their first Super Bowl appearance. He was selected to four Pro Bowl teams and was voted as one of the 70 greatest Washington Redskins players of all time. Despite his smaller size, standing only 5 foot 11, weighing 195 pounds, Brown was a tough man to tackle, largely because he played with reckless abandon. But that approach led to numerous injuries and a shortened career. But Brown says he has no regrets. Next, we'll discuss the career of John Brockington, who played from 1971 to 1977. The Packers selected Brockington as their first draft choice in 1971. 
and he didn't disappoint. He was voted Rookie of the Year and became the first running back in NFL history to gain over 1,000 yards in each of his first three seasons. One of the first running backs to combine brute force and speed, Brockington was selected to three straight Pro Bowls and led the Packers to the playoffs in 1972. His rushing total fell to 883 yards in 1974, and after disappointing seasons in 1975 and 1976, he was traded to the Chiefs. Injuries had taken their toll by then, and he retired following the 1977 season. Next, we'll look at the career of Steve Owens, who played from 1970 to 1974. The Heisman Trophy winner in 1969, Owens was the Lions' first draft pick in 1970. He then missed the first half of the season because of a severely separated shoulder. He showed great promise in 1971, though, becoming the first Lions player ever to gain over 1,000 yards and was selected to play in the Pro Bowl. Plagued by injuries in 1972 and 1973, he seemed to be rid of the injury bug in 1974. On his way to a great game on Thanksgiving Day, gaining 46 yards on his first four carries, he then tore a ligament in his left knee. Unable to play at all in 1975, Owens was forced to retire before the start of the 1976 season. One can only speculate how good Steve Owens would have become if he had not been injury plagued. Next we'll look at Lawrence McCutcheon, who played from 1972 to 1981. The Rams made the NFL playoffs seven times during McCutcheon's eight seasons with the Rams, including one Super Bowl appearance. In a 1975 playoff game against the St. Louis Cardinals, he set a then-NFL playoff record by rushing for 202 yards on 37 carries. He led the Rams in rushing yardage five years in a row, rushing for over 1,000 yards four times and being selected to five straight Pro Bowls from 1973 to 1977. Then, plagued with injuries, his rushing yardage dropped to 420 yards in 1978. After another injury plague season in 1979, he considered retirement, but played for another two seasons for three teams, the Broncos, the Seahawks, and the Buffalo Bills. Had he been able to stay healthy, McCutcheon would surely be in the Hall of Fame today. Next, we'll look at Marv Hubbard, who played from 1969 to 1977. Hubbard was cut by the Raiders before the start of the 1968 season, but he rebounded to make the team the following year. He saw limited playing time in 1969 and 1970, but led the team with 867 rushing yards in 1971. 
1972, he rushed for 1,100 yards, setting the all-time team record, and then led the team in rushing four years in a row, from 1971 to 1974, totaling 3,755 rushing yards during that four-year span. He was selected to three Pro Bowls and his career mark of 4.82 yards per carry ranks fourth all-time for NFL fullbacks. Hubbard relished running over would-be tacklers, but his aggressive style of play led to a series of shoulder injuries. He was placed on injured reserve in 1976 but he did receive a Super Bowl ring after the team's victory in Super Bowl XII. He played one more season with the Lions in 1977, but saw limited playing time. He retired at season's end. Next, we will look at the career of Otis Armstrong, who played from 1973 to 1980. Armstrong saw limited playing time with the Broncos his rookie year, but led the entire NFL in his second season, exploding for 1,407 yards in a 5.3 average and a 14-game season. He was plagued by injuries in 1975, but bounced back the following season to go over the 1,000-yard mark again. In 1977, he was plagued by injuries again, but still helped the Broncos reach their first Super Bowl. He played for three more seasons, but was never able to fully recover from his injuries. He was forced to retire after eight seasons. Next, we will look at the career of Don Woods, who played from 1974 to 1980. Woods a Packers six-round draft pick in 1974, was released before the start of the season. The San Diego Chargers picked him up, but he didn't suit up for the first two games of the season. In the next 12 games, though, he gained 1,162 yards, setting a then-NFL record for a rookie. He also set another record for a rookie by rushing for over 100 yards seven times in the season. Not surprisingly, Woods was named Rookie of the Year. He injured his knee the following season. Even though he played six more seasons, Woods never matched what he had accomplished during that magical rookie season. Next, we'll look at Chuck Foreman, who played from 1973 to 1980. The 1973 Rookie of the Year was selected to five straight Pro Bowls. He gained over 1,000 yards three years in a row, 1975, 76, and 77, and was named NFC Player of the Year in 1974, and again in 1976. In 1975, he scored 22 touchdowns, a record for running backs. That same year, he caught 73 passes for 691 yards, also a record for running backs. His rushing yardage dropped below 1,000 yards in 1978, although he still caught 61 passes. 
He was plagued by injuries in 1979 and played one more injury-plagued season in 1980 with the Patriots before retiring at season's end. Like Lawrence McCutcheon, Foreman would surely be in the Hall of Fame if he had been able to stay healthy for one or two more years. Next, we'll look at Lydell Mitchell, who played from 1972 to 1980. Lydell played in three straight Pro Bowls, 1975, 76, and 77. He gained over 1,000 yards in all three of those seasons in a 14-game schedule. He led the NFL in receptions in 1974 and 1977. It's no coincidence that the Colts' combined regular season record was 31-11 from 1975 to 1977. They also reached the playoffs in each of those seasons. It's also no coincidence that once Lydell left the Colts, they suffered through nine consecutive losing seasons. In 1978, Mitchell joined the San Diego Chargers, with Mitchell gaining 1,320 yards combined, receiving and rushing. The Chargers had their first winning season in nine years, but their injuries started to mount and Mitchell retired after limited playing time in 1979 and 1980. Our final running back on this list is Billy Sims, who played from 1980 to 1984. Okay, Sims didn't play in the 1970s, but I didn't think this list would be complete without this all-time Lions great. The first player picked in the 1980 NFL Draft, Sims gained 1,303 yards in his rookie season and was named Rookie of the Year. He followed that with 1,437 yards in 1981. His rushing yardage dropped off in 1982, but in 1983 he again rushed for over 1,000 yards. He was selected to three consecutive Pro Bowls and led the Lions to the playoffs in 1982 and 1983 after a 12-year drought. He was on his way to possibly his best season yet in 1984, gaining 687 yards in just eight games, but suffered a devastating knee injury. He tried to make a comeback over the next two seasons, but was finally forced to retire. I hope you enjoyed our trip down memory lane. Speaking of memories, if you've listened to this podcast, you're probably a sports history fan. And if you're into sports history, you need to check out newspapers.com. At newspapers.com, you can get access to over 640 million pages worth of news from the U.S., Canada, England, Scotland, Ireland, and more dating back from 1798. Yesterday. Get a free one week subscription to newspapers.com by visiting sportshistorynetwork.com slash newspapers. And with a paid subscription, you'll also be helping to support the production of this 
and other Sports History Network shows. That's sportshistorynetwork.com slash newspapers. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.